Welcome to Tropeful, a weekly look at how trope influences our understanding of our texts. I'm Cantor David Reinwald, and this week we explore the fifth portion in the book of Exodus, Parashat Yitro. Last week we celebrated the Israelites' march to freedom through the Song of the Sea, and this week we chant the ever-essential Ten Commandments. And while last week's portion was likely one of the most unique of all that we chant throughout the year, this week's chanting may be one of the most dynamic. This is the first of two appearances of the Ten Commandments that we see in the Torah. We will be discussing Exodus chapter 20 verses 2 through 14. The other appearance of the Ten Commandments is at the beginning of Deuteronomy in Parashat et Hanan, the portion which also includes the Shema. There are a handful of differences in words used between the two, but the chanting of both includes a large number of our most florid and elaborate tropes. There are approximately three more florid tropes present also in this week's Torah portion, likely appropriate to the very first appearance of this elevated section of the Torah. And elevated is a great word to use to describe everything connected to this portion. First, when this portion is read amidst a Torah service, it is the only section of a Torah portion, while both here and at its repetition in Deuteronomy, that asks the congregation to stand for the entire duration of its recitation. We also do this when it is read for Shavuot, when Shavuot does not fall on Shabbat. So the Ten Commandments have the potential to be read three times a year. Even more importantly, there are two possible ways of chanting this portion. There is a simple rendition, Ta'ame Tachton, literally the lower tropes, which uses basic routine tropes. But this style is only meant for private study of the text. In this style, the various verses throughout the section are a bit more segmented. And I do generally use this system for students chanting this portion because it is easier for them and I know they will ultimately be successful. This is because the system meant for public readings, which is called Ta'ame Elyon, literally the elevated tropes, it is a rather challenging style to use in chanting the entirety of the Ten Commandments. It connects the majority of the verses, sometimes blurring the beginning of one verse to the next, at least in terms of the starting and stopping points of the, of the trope. And when we chant this publicly, we always chant all Ten Commandments, never an excerpt thereof. It is literally a challenging enough section that my esteemed professor, Cantor Eli Schleifer, would give this to us as our final exam of our Torah trope class at the Hebrew Union College in Jerusalem. And I remember feeling like I got through it, but I had not yet walked away feeling like I had every nuance and turn of this portion. But like riding a bike, one puts in a significant amount of time to learning this portion, and then you never really feel like you ever will forget it. And I am really glad of that fact. The Ta'ame Elyon give this part of the Torah an inescapable spark as they are chanted, and I have to say that I really do love chanting this portion every single year. The elaborate tropes do not touch every single commandment listed, but I do not feel that we are supposed to give weight to one commandment over another in this section. They aren't listed accordingly, and doing so also would negate 
the entire other 603 commandments throughout the rest of the Torah. But now, to just get a taste of this section, let's look at two Zarka Segol phrases, and then the two Tilisha Gidolas and four Pazers that we find here. Let's discover if there's anything in particular being highlighted on the very words where we find them. First, the two Zarka Segol phrases. The first phrase, found in verse 5, sounds like this. Lo tishtacha velahem velo ta'ovdeim. You shall neither prostrate yourself before them, nor worship them. It is part of the first commandment that we should have no other god. This chanted phrase marks the text, noting we shall not bow before or worship other gods. The second phrase fills the entirety of verse 9, sounding like this. Six days may you work and perform all your labor. Looking at these two phrases side by side, I noticed that they both highlight two of the most guiding principles of Jewish tradition within the idea of setting things apart. We set apart one God from all other gods, and we set apart Shabbat from all other days of the week. And thus, there is a connection between the ultimate quality in which both God and Shabbat supersede that which is not God and not Shabbat. Could there be something incredibly philosophical here? Why not? The two Tilisha Gidolas actually build right upon the idea that was built up in the two phrases I just discussed. The first Tilisha Gidola is in the middle of verse 5, once again connected to the first commandment on the word pokade, which is sung like this. Pokade. This translates as visits or even better, revisits. And it connects to the rest of the phrase as the idea of worshipping other gods transcending through the generations. And what do you know? The second Tilisha Gidola is found on the phrase Uvincha Uvitecha. It's in verse 11, the fifth commandment, and it translates as, and your children and your household. It sounds like this. The prohibition against doing work on Shabbat applies not only to the individual, but also to his or her children. The use of the same trope twice in this section connects the two particular commandments that descend through the generations. And actually none of the other commandments make this specific mention, expanding the commandment beyond the single individual or generation to which it addresses itself. Now finally, the four pazers, which really are the most ornate tropes you're going to hear sung throughout this section. And they're sung like this, just in case you forgot. Pazer! Because of the Pazer's ascending melodic structure, it really catches your ear and your attention. And what do you know? The first three are found with two on the first commandment, and then one on the fifth commandment. 
In verse 4, we are commanded to not make graven images of God, and it is the word timunah that receives the elevated trope. Timunah. The commandment goes on to say, nor should we create any likenesses to God in the heavens above or on the earth below, likely a connection to the idea of Greek gods, which were depicted to be in specific locations. The word mima'al, from above, receives the second pazer. Mima'al. This is both an elevation of the word and a very literal text painting. Within the fifth commandment, and now we're in the middle of verse 10, the word or the phrase chol melacha, work, receives the pazer. Chol melacha. What are we expressly prohibited to do on the seventh day, on our Shabbat? The pazer draws out the word all work, and then it took many, many more years for all the rabbis to define for us just exactly what work meant. And then the final pazer, it's found in the final verse of the Ten Commandments. The Tenth Commandment is found in verse 14. And the chanting of this verse also notably ends the sixth traditional aliyah when this portion is read in full. We find the pazer on the phrase, Lo tachmod, you shall not covet. And this is the second time this phrase is uttered in this verse. The second time it is sung, it sounds like this. Lo tachmod. A simple chanting of lo tachmod begins the verse, noting you shall not covet your neighbor's house. There it sounds like this. Lo tachmod behit re'echa. But all the other things one shall not covet, your neighbor's wife, manservant, ox, donkey, or whatever belongs to your neighbor, these are all attached to the second, more elaborate lo tachmod. An interesting note also is that the entire Ten Commandments are chanted the same way in the final verse, no matter if they are chanted privately or publicly. This is not the case in how one opens this section. There are two similar but slightly differentiated versions of Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, the opening to the Ten Commandments. There are a couple other verses which are also shared in both systems, and they fall in the middle of the commandments. So what does this say about our understanding of these commandments? If we read them to ourselves at home, or if we read them with grand pomp and circumstance in public, they end in the same exact way. The weight of these words is always the same, and it's the outer layer of clothing that it wears that can differ. Just in the way we carefully choose what we wear, thinking of the weather outside, or the type of event we are attending, this portion is extra special, in that it suits its place and time accordingly, and it is the trope that creates that magical effect. Studying this portion this week has really been extra special for me, and I would like to welcome any and all newcomers to Tropeful. You can find past episodes of Tropeful at tropeful.net, iTunes, or Stitcher, and feel free to leave a comment, question, or a wonderful insight after you listen to any of the episodes on the website, or drop me a line anytime via the website, Facebook, or Twitter. I look forward to joining together with all of you again next week. 
Until then, be tropeful. <laughs>